welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to the 50th episode of the Why Music Podcast. In honor of such a milestone, we're going to be going back through each of the episodes and interviews that we've done so far and pulling out some of my favorite moments. Some of them are answers to questions. Some of them just kind of happened in conversation. And some are purely just for the fun of it. Here's a segment out of episode two with Alan Miller on his perspective and why he thinks that his songwriting and his artistry brings a new perspective to the table. I do like to think that the way I see the world is interesting and like, you know, defined and like I've decided on, I know who I am and I've had to figure that out really intentionally for like the past several years. And so I think that shows up in my writing. I think it's like, oh, this is someone who's thought about everything. Mm-hmm. Just thought, uh, like, had so many, like, sleepless nights or, like, you know, pondering, you know, society and all that. So, I mean, that's that sounds really pretentious. But, I mean, <laughs> it uh, it is. I feel like there's an element of, like, I, I, start, I always start with, like, how I'm feeling. But then I, I tend to like zoom out at least at one part of the song to say like an objective truth about the situation or like a like a how I see this in a bigger scale, not just like this made me sad and I'm missing about it for three minutes. I love that the season started out this way because I do think that that's kind of the whole purpose of this podcast is it's like, what new things do you bring to the table? What new perspectives, ideas, what story are you telling? It's not really been told otherwise. What is your unique attribute that makes your artistry worth caring about? Alan kind of gets right to that. In episode two, we sat down with indie pop artist Lynx to discuss her favorite song of her own. And this is probably one of my favorite lyrics that we've talked about on the podcast. Is there a favorite like lyric that you've written that you'd be like, this is, this is, uh, this is, yeah. this is the favorite line. This is my best line. Like this is yeah, where I peak. Yeah. I named uh, my last EP off of that. Every time I find the meaning of life, it changes. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. Yep. That's my favorite lyric I think I've ever written. <laughs> I've been trying to top it since, but... <laughs> that, currently, that is where the peak is. That is the peak. <laughs> um, yeah. That line is just so good. Every time I think I know the meaning of life, it changes. It doesn't really get any better than that. In our next episode, we sat down with Chicago-based rapper and producer, Duan, and talked about all different kinds of things, but specifically what was really unique about our conversation is his journey in creating Soulfest. What is Soulfest for those so, who don't know? Yeah, Soulfest was um, an original music showcase that I started when I was a freshman at Columbia College Chicago. And that kind of really stemmed from the idea of why isn't there any showcases that really reflect what the Chicago music scene is in terms of its diversity. Because normally you get shows that are just hip hop or just rock or et cetera, et cetera. I know I don't listen to music like that. I know a lot of people don't listen to music like that. And I know so many artists because, you know, we all 
run in the same circles. We all go to the same classes. How about we all just perform together? And then it sort of became this thing where I started doing it when I was in college and a couple of years when I was out of college and then the pandemic happened and I was just kind of like, okay, you know, this was cool for its time. I'm not saying I won't do it again, but I think at the time it really put people on to new music. I had zero clue what Soulfest was before the interview, to be completely honest. And it was really cool to learn about right then and there. I love opportunities to talk about something that's completely off book. I love my questions, but if I can change it up a little bit, it's always nice to add something new. Our next interview was with singer-songwriter Sammy Plotkin, who kind of walked us through what he thinks is one of his best tracks, even though it might not be reflected in the Spotify stats. I think it would either be SMH or Time Bomb. That's what I would like it to be. Um, but I have realized over the years that my my favorite song of mine does not necessarily uh, mean it's it's everyone else's favorite. So I want to be conscious of that moving forward. I I think like SMH was almost so vulnerable that I resisted being super proud of it or or cheering about it um but it it was kind of what resonated with a lot of people on social media what kind of got me new followers and new listeners on spotify or apple or whatever so um that was a really organic feeling of of capturing people's attention and I, I have to um, give that, um, give it credit. I will say that SMH is not one of those songs that you automatically assume is like this intimate, vulnerable sort of song. But then, you know, it's one of those where you have to listen back to it a few times and then you're like, oh, wait, there's something more going on here. Like it sounds all upbeat and fun. And then it's like, wait, there's actually this kind of whole other situation going on and so it's like oh now I have to think about it a little bit our next conversation was with indie rocker Mars and I will say I think it still stands that this was one of the most strange moments I've had within one of the interviews are they related well, to the song much or is it just you're having fun with it some of them I'm literally just having fun with them and they have no relation. Like for example, Killer Squirrels doesn't have anything to do with the story. Like <laughs> ants don't skip leg day and naked cows running around. Those two do have relationship um uh with 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 the lyrics and the story. Uh so ants don't skip leg day, it's all about like the grind and all about you trying trying to make it you know mm -hmm. so it's all about working hard basically and and i was the i was like okay so i do this animals thing what animal works hard what animal is known for working hard for being a hard worker ants and, and it's like i was like ants what ants ants and i was like ants don't skip leg day and it's like <laughs> <laughs> there's probably no topping it. After that, we had folk slash R&B artist, uh, Avi Jacob. There were a lot of interesting insights that I got from our conversation, but this one particularly resonated with me a lot. And when I listened back to it, I was like, wow, this 
it was really deep. There's a difference between a sadness and a hopeless, like sad, hopeless, and a beautiful sadness. Like a sadness in which you're so like, it, it absolutely breaks your heart, but at the same time, it's kind of beautiful and you have some hope or something, you know, like when my father died, I was very inspired to write because his death made me realize how wonderful he was. You know, like it was very inspiring to uh, to be able to reflect on a, with a gratitude on somebody who was so loving and supportive. So you could be really heartbroken that they're gone, but then it's kind of like, well, how beautiful that they were so wonderful that you hurt this much. It's like one of those things that you don't always think about, you know, having there be a positive twist to a word that has such a negative connotation. Like you think sadness and you think, oh, like that's not a fun experience. That's not a great way to feel, you know, like, yes, everybody feels it from time to time, but it's like, it's not our favorite thing to experience. Um, But to have there be such a silver lining that he was able to pull from that, I, I just... It's a, it was a very wholesome moment. Following that, we sat down with Hannah, who is now rebranded as Hannah Johnson. Something really interesting that I got from this conversation is Hannah's approach in kind of taking genre to heart in the way of really thinking about, okay, if I want to write this kind of song, what am I going to write it about? And really sort of associating different vibes with different genres in terms of the songwriting. Um, I'll let her say the rest, but it was just really kind of interesting to get a different perspective. I'd like to have a balance though, because I do recognize that not everyone wants to hear track after track of kind of, you know, the same um, message. It comes from the same space, but Mm -hmm. if I'm writing more genre-based music rather than Um, I mean, I pull from personal experience and everything that I do, obviously, but if I'm writing about um, something that I want more genre based, I'm probably going to be writing about love and, you know, relationships and how, how it is navigating through these situations with another individual. And I feel like that adds some more depth and variety to the music already, Um, but still in a subject matter that I'm able to from those same roots and same experiences to highlight the topics that I'm talking about. I will say Hannah is a woman of her word. She did say that she was kind of going in more of an R&B direction with what she was doing next. And her most recent song, Gratitude, definitely stands by that. And it is a very simplified R&B, but in a Hannah way kind of vibe and would recommend. Up next, we have Ella Byer out of California. I love hearing these sorts of stories come from these songs and have it be such of these niche little moments to be like, I wrote this whole song around this one little spot in the timeline. The I don't know. The, the lyrics are, I put a lot of thought and work into the lyrics and I love the concept of the song. It discusses, like, falling in love with someone because they like a specific artist. So it's a—the story is, like, um, I was driving through the suburbs uh, a year ago, last summer, uh, with this one guy. 
And we would just, like, roll down the windows and play music and just go on a drive. And I put on a Sinatra song. And he knew all the lyrics to this old Frank Sinatra song. And I thought that in that moment, I was like, I'm in love with this man. Just based off of him singing along Frank Sinatra. I was just like, oh, my God, that's so cool. So, um, and I think that concept of, like, that's something that people don't really talk about. is like, you can fall for someone just because, like, they they love something that reminds you of your childhood or they are or, or something that i don't know that makes you, you know what i mean it's songs like those that almost feel like they write themselves in the way of you know this one little thing happens and it turns itself into this song to really paint a different picture but you wrote it not with the intention of painting that picture, but in the, with the intention of telling that specific story. So instead of trying to paint that picture with a different story or a story you have to kind of curate, the story just kind of molds, molded itself and you just had to kind of let it happen. Up next is Sadine Dassoum with probably the coolest name of all of the guests we've had so far. This is probably one of the most interesting stories that anybody told on the podcast, especially one that wasn't their own. Um, but given the rest of the the interview, this is very much a in a nutshell moment of our entire conversation. My brand is me on steroids. It's so my music is very genuine, right? And um, I, I always remember this book. It's uh, it's this Vietnam book basically there's a character in it and the narrator says this guy will tell you that he ate a thousand portions of chicken and it might not be true it might very obviously not be true but to him it felt like he ate a thousand portions of chicken and that's the same way it is to me uh where yeah uh some of the details in my music didn't necessarily happen, but it's it's a genuine feeling that they did. I would have bet money that I would have never heard a Vietnam War story told on a music interview podcast like this was. And after that, we had Zach Thal. What I really appreciated about Zach is that he brought, he was the first to really bring the perspective of not somebody that's just an artist but is also an engineer and it shows in the way that he approaches music i mean he talks about it right here how would you describe your music for somebody who's never heard it hopefully good no <laughs> uh, i don't know yeah i guess like um indie pop rock um you know gets kind of inspired by i guess some like jazz elements in there a little bit as well i guess it i, I really like to pull from a lot of genres i try to you know there's definitely some that i like more than others but i try to pull a little bit from everything um and use what i learn as an engineer working with a, a wide range of artists and incorporate that into my my music so hopefully there's a little something for everybody in there talk about a wholesome ending to a little story within the podcast like there's a little something for everybody next we have pop artist zoe gabrielle my biggest takeaway from my conversation with zoe was her answer to the question how do you balance life things with music things and 
you know, I think this was something that a lot of artists could relate to because it was, you know, I'm still in school trying to just kind of, you know, prioritize it as much as I can while still having these other obligations. And I will let her kind of say the rest because it's probably articulated a lot better that way. Oh, it's so hard. It is so hard, especially because I'm I'm 20 and like I'm in school and I just I have a, like other stuff going on, you know, so it really is hard, especially like just at this time of year and everything. So um, I would say, honestly, um, I don't know. I just I feel like I know what I want to prioritize and I know that I prioritize music over like a lot of other things in my life so um yeah and kind of just like I don't know little things like involving it into your schedule like oh you know if you're just sitting there like just an example like waiting for class to start like just jotting down lyrics or like you know doing something posting on social media whatever it's just like little stuff like that is what really I feel like matters so I kind of just try and um find little pockets of my day to do as much as I can. What I really liked about the answer is it, it wasn't prioritizing it in terms of I'm paving out this section of my schedule and all of these other things. It was, here's what I'm working with. Where can I find these gaps? What do I need to do within those gaps to kind of maximize my time and really prioritize music in the way that I want to? Up next, we have punk rocker and producer Nick Rossi. It's not often that you see independent artists dropping albums, but Nick did it and it kind of just came together naturally in kind of all the ways. And the way that this part of that project kind of came together was just a really cool story. Is there a place that you take a lot of inspiration from, a theme you kind of find yourself writing about a lot? Um, I found myself writing a lot about time, <laughs> which is why... You know, I ended up naming my album Time Heals All because almost every single song has the theme of some sort of time in it. Um, you know, because I think, you know, time is one of those things that obviously is not going to slow down or change. and um, It's definitely an important thing. Um, just had that theme of time. I had I threw it in somewhere, not intentionally. It just kind of happened. Um, and the the album uh the album name actually came from the third song the third track which was uh complete now featuring my buddy jay green um and he wrote that lyric in the song um it's the first lyric in the second verse he says mama mama told me time heals all uh, and i was trying to come up with an album name and i had a couple but then i like thought of that and i was listening to the song and i just like immediately knew right there that that was the name of the album I mean, he has a point. Time's not really going anywhere. And the fact that he kind of named the album, I mean, I'm a sucker for an album that's not just named after one of the tracks. Um, I always think it's cool when it's like, you are wrapping up what the whole theme of the entire project is in whatever you're calling it, instead of just pulling a title off of one of your songs. Um, but the way that it, he pulled it from a lyric of one of the songs is just really cool especially because it wasn't one of his own getting closer and closer to the end of 2022 we sat down with artist monty what i love about getting to have conversations with artists that are relatively new is walking through the process of how they're kind of 
either currently still discovering or have already kind of started to find their sound. How would you describe your music for somebody who's never heard it? Ugh. This is always a fun question. I'd say weird. Like, probably not. Like, <laughs> like I, I think that I am slowly trying to find, like, my own style of production because I, in my earlier music, I was not a producer by any means. I had so many people helping me and, like, those songs are so well done because they were done in professional recording studios with professional musicians and like professional engineers and like I have like a little bit of a setup at home now and so I've really been like experimenting and Sucker was kind of like one of those things where it's like can I like prove to myself that I can record something at home and like the way that it sounds and Sucker is like not perfect by any means like sonically it's like kind of gross but like from like a like a like a song standpoint like I'm really proud of it and I'm really proud of like the writing that I did and the production that I did I also will say that I think defining her sound as weird is rather fitting not given that the music's really that weird but it's just given her vibe and the music collectively it's like there's no other way to put it better than that and for our final interview of 2022, we sat down with Mac Ism. Again, like I said, the, I'm picking my favorite moments from all of these. And with this one, it was it was interesting because it was like, I don't really have an answer because, you know, I have a song for you depending on what your vibe is. And so it's like, basically like, hey, give me some like information and then here you go um did actually get to an answer at some point but he was the first one to really challenge my question of like give me one song song that i would just say because like all my songs are different you know like they have different vibes they're like some same aesthetics you know but at the same time it's like i would have to get to know you first and just like me not actually like you know spend years getting to know you but like me after having a quick conversation with you hearing some of the things like checking some of your you know, your your facial cues or whatever, your body language. I'm like, okay, this is the type of person that might enjoy this type of track. So I'm more like, a, oh, what type, of, what type of vibe are you? Okay, I got a song just for that. I will say I'm still waiting on my own personal recommendation on what the vibe my song is from his, like what a song from his repertoire is best fit for me. So Macism, if you're listening to this, hit me up. Then to kick off 2023, which feels so long ago now, uh, was our conversation with Jade Melody. What stuck out to me most, being that this was such an early conversation, was that she's like, I basically don't really tend to write about my own life. Um, I think I write a lot about relationships that I observe in like other people around me um, as like kind of less than whatever is going on in my life. So like, um somebody to love is about okay the sun's coming through but um somebody to love is about um the relationship between like my best friend and her boyfriend because they have like this really nice like relationship with each other it's really nice to see and that was super like heartwarming so um I wrote about that and um but then I also have songs like who are you to say which is pretty much the opposite it's kind of like a 
F you song. Um, but it wasn't because I went through like the worst relationship in history. It was kind of just also observing like what other people were going through in life um, that just kind of made me want to write about it. I will say I did start to see this as a kind of answer more frequently as time went on with a few individuals specifically. Um, but it's really interesting because I couldn't imagine not just writing your own experience. I mean, what do you know better than your own life? Next, we moved into our conversation with Jay Allen. What Jay says from what Jay says within our interview is something that I've heard so many times, and it's definitely true for creatives, but it's even true for people outside of being creatives. And I'll I'll just play the clip. I don't think that I have found my voice, but I don't think that you ever fully do. And I think I had this this conversation the other day, like, I don't know, I, I just waited to start my YouTube channel until I had like a nice camera and a nice laptop when I didn't need to. And like, I waited to release music until uh, like, I had like an expensive producer and like, I don't know, sometimes I regret that because I'm like, what if my sound before then was cool? One of the best pieces of advice I've pulled from an episode yet is just start now, worry about the rest later. Following that is another one of our goofier conversations with artist Maria, aka Tambor. There was a lot of interesting conversation that was had, but I had to kind of pull this moment because again, if this was a in a nutshell moment for our entire interview, this is it. This is this is the one for sure. And it kind of puts a new perspective on her music as a whole. Put it in a dark room, listen to it with the you know everything off and like really big headphones and if if i if you shed a tear then we're going in the right way production wise so to sum it up if it's annoyingly sad then we're on the right track absolutely absolutely (laughs) yes that's what i would want to hear i just want to hear why like like, what do you mean by annoyingly sad sad? like it's ironically and annoyingly (laughs) sad (laughs) again with what what makes it ironic though I don't like I think okay this is definitely something that's like rooted on myself because I have a really hard, growing up I had a really hard time expressing my feelings so if I'm telling you that this is ironic it probably is ironic to a point but it's also because I don't want to accept that I'm like throwing out my feelings at people so, so I'm it, like, it's like you're throwing like it's like when people throw like lol on the end of something to make yes. it more casual that's essentially yes. what you're doing Yes, I am LOLing my way through the music industry. LOLing your way through the Okay. (laughs) Given the turn that this conversation took, this is definitely one of the moments that will be ingrained in my mind for a very long time. Up next, we have indie rocker slash rock band Ships Have Sailed. I will say there is a runner-up moment from this interview, and if you go listen to the segment where Will kind of walks through why the band is called Ships Have Sailed and the journey that that kind of took, that was a really cool kind of experience. I love to hear why things are named certain ways, but I also really appreciate this moment. Up with a new name that is like a category that Ships Have Sailed purely sits in by itself, what would you call it? 
Well, this is easy because you're supposed to have an elevator pitch ready when when people <laughs> ask you for like a nutshell of what you do. Um, what I say in those situations is that we make poptimistic indie rock. Ooh. Yeah. I think, I mean, that kind of throws in a little bit of a flavor of the whole backstory to the name with also classifying it as like the genre that it like actually is a part of yeah yeah i i you know and it i will be honest i i agonized over that little like that little tag <laughs> um but you know i feel like um you know it's fun to make new words so poptimism there you go new word and um i feel like as we've progressed I have definitely like leaned back a little bit more into my rock roots. So I do like having that kind of named in there as part mm. of the blend. I think the genre question is one of my favorite questions to ask. And I love getting answers like this that are truly just made up and total spins on existing genres. Um, I get, you know, the basic genre answers a lot, but I like it when it's a nice twist like this. Up next, we have indie artist Kate Brunatz. The cool thing about Kate is that she almost seems like she takes it in more of a direction of purely being art than just music in itself and really is creating for the sake of creating. And I love that. I have two answers, which I know is wrong, but I'm going to give them <laughs> anyway. So <laughs> if they're more... Um pop facing i would say projections and okay. if they're more alternative facing i would say all the voices in my head i guess the thing the thing that's most important to me about my music is i want to create a intersection between like pop music because i love pop music and also some of the more electronic leaning experimental stuff um and so, yeah, I feel like those are both good um, embodiments of that, but on slightly different sides of that spectrum. This was, I think, also the first time that I accepted two answers for that question. Up next, we have our Carolina native, Macy Crawford. I think Macy was the first one to stump me completely on what she was talking about. And given that it was from high school English, I think that checks out. It's not a name. It's like a literary device. So in high school English class, I just remembered like the different things we were talking about. Like um, there's one called like Deuce Ex Machina. I probably pronounced that terribly wrong, but it means like God is the machine. And that's one of like those themes. Hamartia is another one. It means fatal flaw. So if you listen to the first track, which is Homartia, it's kind of talking about what I see as my own fatal flaw, like perfectionism. And then it kind of explores all the other characters' fatal flaws. So like Eve and um, Electra, all those characters. Um, and it's just kind of telling their story from the flawed perspective, if that makes sense. And as much as I had zero clue what Homartia or any of that was, the concept for that being an EP or even an album or a short album, whatever she, whatever you call it, brilliant to take this like 
literary idea and just create this entire project around it. Brilliant. After that, we had our conversation with JM. Going back through this interview, I did not remember this moment at all, but listening back through it, it kind of brought me a whole new perspective on my own approach as a songwriter. Are there any outside passions, like non-music related things like in your life that you think impact who you are as an artist? I think growing up in church and uh, having kind of a sense of faith kind of forces me to look at myself in a more objective way and um, kind of be more introspective and kind of hold myself accountable, I guess. So that comes across in my songwriting when I'm kind of breaking down these these things that happened to me that were bad, but also maybe kind of reflecting on how some of it may have been my fault or something I may have done differently, I guess. Again, I'm probably biased because I wrote all of these questions, but I think that that's also one of my favorite questions because it kind of makes you think, okay, this is what I'm doing, but what other things in my life that I'm also partaking in are feeding into like my main sort of pursuit? And this is a great example of that. After that, we had our interview with Irish native Drew Hall. And I think this was our first interview done overseas. Drew and I got into a lot of different cracks and crevices of songwriting and being an artist and all that. And it was one of the more artist and creative centric conversations that I've had, but his take on approaching songwriting is just awesome. Honestly, just what kind of stories are you telling a lot of the time? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 um, I always find that a really interesting question. Um, so like my writing has always kind of been I think you know I think I think everyone writes from experience to a degree but like you know whether or not the the content is directly foretelling what you've done is 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 mostly not the case um like I think I think for me what I write is like the feeling like the like I think you know to for lack of a better phrase like you kind of just like catch a vibe of something and then you kind of just follow that through until you really have it and and I feel like that's where like the process comes in of like how well you can really perform that and really share that so that the experience experience is shared with other people it's truly kind of a reference to songwriting being storytelling more than anything else and then we have New York-based artist Karina she was not the first one we had that came from a theater background, but her journey, given the COVID circumstances amongst everything else, kind of created an interesting path. Like graduating during a pandemic had something to do with it because you lo I lost personally that connection of being in a room with a bunch of people, showing them who I am connecting with like their energy and them connecting with my energy. And then it all transitioned to self tapes, which was like 
now you just kind of stand in your living room and like throw spaghetti at a wall and send in all these videos that you don't, don't know are going to be watched. You don't know like if you're too tall or your body's not the right size or you have brown hair, they want someone with blonde hair. It's just all like these little things that never really added up for me. And I don't want to be told no. I want to work hard and put in the energy and the time. So I just wanted to take control into my own hands. And I feel like it's easier to promote myself and my own music than it is to get out there, play a character and promote or try to, you know, like, convince people that you can do something. If you haven't noticed, I'm a sucker for a good story. I will also take this as an opportunity to let you know that there are two different playlists that we have made around this podcast. One of which is each of the songs that the artists have given as their one song and one song only answers. Um, if you're a listener, you know the question I'm talking about. Um, and then the other playlist is a playlist of my personal favorites from each of our guests. So both of them have a song from everybody. So both of them, you'll find something that you will, and both playlists, you'll find something that you like. Um, but if you want to hear their picks and, or you want to hear my picks, uh, the playlist links will be linked in the description. Moving on, we enter our first conversation with a non-singer, non-songwriter. Uh, DJ producer two points but I really enjoyed this one a lot and I think this is one of the most rooted answers as far as the genre question goes if you had to create a new genre around your style of music what would you call it uh I call it trap house that's what I would call it why yeah um, cause I would really want to take more elements of like trap beats and infuse them with house. Um, so it would be, and that's what I've been trying to experiment with. I haven't had, unfortunately it hasn't been to my liking yet of what I've been trying to do with it, but mm -hmm. I think taking certain bases from trap music, like the heavy 808s and stuff and using that in house music in a way that like, hasn't been done would be cool. Um, house music, always the beats are always like the open hi-hat, you know, they hear the, you hear that pretty much all day, every day for house music. There was something like slightly different than that. That was still in that BPM that maybe like trap hi-hats or something with house music over, I don't know how it'd work, but that's what I would try to do. Trap house. And I tried to like coin that term for a while, but I just realized that <laughs> there's still a lot of work to do in that, in that regard. So can't, can't coin it yet, but that's what I would call it. Trap house. I think in music in general, we see a lot of blending of genres, but to see it be deliberate from two, yes, they're in the same general space, you would think, um, but two very different vibes paired together um, and trying to really pave the way for that is really cool. Up next is California native Ellie James. I am a huge sucker for projects, whether it's an EP, an album, a compilation, whatever it is. I am a sucker for projects. I'm not a singles fan. I am a projects gal. And hearing that one song kind of led to the creation of a project with Ellie's story, I love it. If you had one song to kind of sell someone on being the next Ellie James fan, <laughs> what song are we showing them? I think better. Why? Yeah. I, it's it's the first song that I wrote off of this EP. I kind of, I wrote better with no plan of making another EP right away. 
um I wrote it like right after I graduated and a lot of it was like I was feeling a ton of anxiety about like not being a student anymore you know we spend most of our young adult lives and young teenage lives being students and so the like terror that comes with well if that was a huge part of my identity and I like don't really know where to go after this or if I'm going to be okay or if I'm going to be able to do all the things I want to do so I wrote this song about dealing with that kind of anxiety and the frustration that I think goes along with anxiety like being really frustrated with yourself um so I think I would show them that because it was it came from a really really real place projects that manifest themselves in these natural ways always are the best kinds of projects up next was our conversation with singer-songwriter and Nashville artist Chloe Collins. The crazy thing about Chloe is that she's been doing this for so long and has, you know, her she is probably one of the larger discographies of all the people that we've had on the podcast and it's really interesting to watch how her music has transformed and ultimately I think this is why what is it that you think sets you apart from other independent artists? I think something that I am doing that I hope I don't lose because I feel like sometimes I'm losing it is that I am just writing and not following writing trends. Like I think in Nashville, there's a certain way of writing sometimes. And I just am like, la, 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 I'm just going to write whatever I want to in my bedroom. <laughs> and, and I just do it. And then I release things and people are like, wow, I've never heard that before. And I'm like, on purpose. And <laughs> I just like, hopefully I just keep that. Because sometimes mm -hmm. I write and I'm like, this sounds like I'm trying to be someone else, mm. you know? And I know when I'm being inauthentic. So I hope, I hope that I can like hold on to the part of me that was like, freshly moved to Nashville at 17 and like mm. didn't know anything about how it works here and like you know whatever and can just write in my bedroom about feelings and just write like me and just I want it to sound like me and be so genuine to who I am. I never really thought about being a part of a big music city being something that can ultimately alter or hinder your own personal brand and personal writing approach but Chloe staying grounded I love that I love that I'm huge about branding so I love a nice stay at home let's do my thing vibe our next conversation was with Sarah Leitner the way that Sarah kind of painted the picture for this song just made it really tangible and really relatable I think this song is literally about taking off the things that I thought were me and weren't me and then becoming like whole wholly myself because of it. Um, rebuilding identity is a thing that we probably go through so many times in our life. But what's so interesting is like at the core of it, we're always so that substance is solid and secure and it's always been there the whole time we just have to find it I feel like so it's like when we uncover ourselves and get off all the crap I like to compare it to like old clothes or like 
clothes that um maybe were given to us and we didn't ask for it but like somehow we're like wait i didn't ask, why am i wearing this like i didn't ask for this i will say the song definitely lives up to the story it paints the same kind of picture and it's it's great our next conversation was with producer ian kills fun fact ian and i actually graduated college together and when he asked to come on the podcast i already knew that it was going to be one of our longest if not our longest interview just based on our conversations and this is definitely it the, knowing him personally this is definitely ian in a nutshell impacts who you are as an artist uh skateboarding with that it's like everyone can do the same trick like there's you know there's there's no differences in what a kickflip is or like differences in like what um like a tray flip is but everyone does it differently to where it might be the same trick but it looks different it mm. visually it, it it looks different and so um having that kind of like ground me as well to not being some avant-garde like I'm just messing with how to you know blow up my computer like what my computer can handle it's more of like okay like if other artists are doing that how can I do what they're doing but still find a way of putting my expression onto it again I love the passion question I think this was probably one of the most creative answers we got for it and the most thought out. And it, you know, answers like that really make you think, how are these outside things linked to the main thing that I'm doing? Moving on to our next conversation with producer, also my producer, Christian Clark. I think Christian gives Chloe a run for her money when it comes to the deepest discography because Christian has been making music for a decade plus now and has taken his songs in so many different directions. So this and this kind of sheds light on why his discography covers such a wide genre base. Why would you take a song and turn it acoustic pop versus turning it into something more like electronic? Like what kind of drives the direction the production takes? This is one of my, you know, recent songs that's not out yet, but as an example, um, you know, this, this one idea, um, you know, was just a voice memo of just my acoustic guitar and, and my voice. Um, and from that, you know, I think that based on the energy that it had or, or the kind of the kind of the message um, that it has um, kind of determines what direction I want to take it in. I guess my mind fills in the blanks before like my subconscious mind fills in the blanks before my conscious mind does sometimes. And so I heard the song in my head uh, being performed a certain way. And that happened to be a very upbeat energetic um you know uh wide and full production you know with pop rock um and and you know some little bit of grit and i don't know i guess my point is that um it's hard to describe sometimes how i decide to take 
a certain song in a certain direction. Um, and I, I guess, uh, I guess I wish it were more, uh, intentional so I could explain that. But my point is that sometimes it, it's just whatever the song wants to be, that's what it is. As much as I am a huge branding person, I am definitely a fan of experimentation and just kind of letting the song become whatever it is to become, because that is, you know, the best art happens naturally. After that, we sat down with Illinois native Jenny Scara. Also a fun fact, Jenny and I played club soccer at the same club for two-ish years, and so I've known Jenny since middle school. When I started asking the create the listening scenario question, I started to get a lot, if not all, people giving the answer of in the car. But I think this kind of paints music in the car in a new light. Personally, I love to be inside of the song. Like I like the I like to I like to be able to hear I don't know how to describe it, but basically I like to sit inside the song and I can like see all the different parts happening in my head, but I have to like hear it. Like I have to go to different spots in my head to hear the different sounds and that always works best in the car. So I feel like a car with a good stereo is like, I love listening. And that's probably because I grew up listening to music in the car with my dad. But I love listening to music in the car. I'm still working on trying to achieve what it really means to get inside of the song. So I might have to get some tips. Next on deck is indie artist Plant Dad. This was the first time that I heard really anybody reference their atmosphere and community in such a way as it pertains to who they are as artists. Outside passion. Um, I love community engagement. <laughs> I I love like making communities in Baltimore. Um, just because I feel like there's so many different talent in Baltimore, but like, you know, like and, and I think that like it's such a quirky city. Um, yeah, I think like my passion is really like building a community, build, fostering like, you know, like scenes in Baltimore. So I love curating shows. Um, I think that what that's what really shapes my my music is that like, I love, and you know, that's what it is, like community engagement. I love collaborating on songs. I have, I, I mean, I've written songs by myself. I think I've written uh, like quarter of my songs or half of my songs by myself, but I always love finishing it with someone because what's the beauty of, like, what's the, what's, what's, What's the fun of like just writing your own? Well, you know, obviously the people can like say, yeah, I love it. But for me, I love like collaborating so much because I feel like they give a new flavor. You know, I think regardless of whether Baltimore is that big of a, a music city or that has that big of a music scene, I think there's something to be said about Plant. What Planted says here is, you know, being independent, we kind of need that community. We kind of need that collaboration. And that's kind of what music is really all about. And from there, we move into our conversation with Nashville-based, but Ohio native, Adam Paddock. Probably one of my favorite conversations yet, just because Adam has just an infectious energy. 
But uh, what he says here is something that I've been thinking about for however many weeks since our interview. In my opinion, um, or from my interpretation from one of her songs, the greatest movies of all time were never written, um, I think, or were never done. Um, I think that the greatest music of all time will never be the most visible. And I hope that I become more visible as an artist at some point, you know, but I think that that's a very interesting thing to run with because we are all trying to be different, but fit in, you know, and my interpretation of that phrase is like the greatest art, the greatest music only be recognized by few, you know? So I think genre being genreless is has never been more prevalent but everything in music business says don't do that you know (laughs) i think he hit the nail on the head with that one after that we sat down with crystal b another one of those not so music pieces of conversation um here's the clip i'm a human golden retriever (laughs) are you now yeah. are you now i don't know or maybe like a cocker spaniel i feel like those my, are two I very different spaniel. dogs <laughs> they're very different dogs but <laughs> you just um, took a very strong like, turn i know yeah i feel like in some ways i'm a golden retriever but then when i'm by myself i'm more of a cocker spaniel does that make sense <laughs> by day i'm a golden by night cocker spaniel in groups i'm a golden retriever are you at home i'm a cocker spaniel i think that's the first time we talked about dogs on the podcast um who knows if it'll be the last but being that crystal and i are friends this checks out our next conversation was with producer cold brew there were lots of interesting points within this podcast and it's very fitting to who cold brew seems to be as a person and as an artist um but i think this is the one that is most deeply ingrained in my mind like i think from a producer perspective more people need to listen to country music and that's my hot take of the podcast wow i don't really like country music that much but i think anybody who's like i like everything except country i'm like shut up because (laughs) Do you like do you eat McDonald's? Yes, then you should listen to country. That's my opinion. It is the perfect product. Everything from the beginning to the end is masterfully put together. The songwriting is tight. It might be like pretty lame or whatever, uh, but it's it's like perfectly written. There are no mistakes in the songwriting, if that makes any sense. It is perfectly mixed and engineered in the most expensive studios in Nashville and it is performed by pretty good singers and all the like the marketing and the production of it is all top notch you know I don't know how I got on this (laughs) sorry (laughs) I think this is the first time someone who doesn't listen to country music has come on here and been extremely passionate about country music our next conversation was with our youngest guest yet 16-year-old Rachel Dara from Canada. Being that she at <clears throat> being that she is such a young artist, I really loved this moment because it shows that she's just still kind of finding her way, experimenting with different sounds, all those good things. 
two songs that come to mind. Um, there's this one song that I wrote like very recently that's just, you know, it's like, it's pop, it's pop, but on the guitar. And I've never done that. When I write pop songs, I stick to pop. But I kind of mixed genres with that song. And I love doing that through my music. And I think that song, that one song is the best representation of me kind of swimming through genres, I like to call it. I can't even imagine having her sort of perspective on things in that way um, at that age. So I am very much looking forward to what she does in the next few years. Our next interview was with now Nashville-based Daisy. I say this in the clip, but I will iterate it again. One of the questions in the podcast is purely written because of what Daisy says here. It is, was written from day one because of this conversation right here. If you had to create a new genre around ah. your style of music, what would mm -hmm. it be called? Cool. You um, you are the reason this question exists. So I, I I need to know the petty pop story now. All right. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is, is like the petty pop kind of became an like it was created on accident, but it was like a happy accident that I don't think I even realized what I like. I don't remember the moment that I was like, my, my genre is petty pop, but I was working on a certain song called Wish I Was Cool. And um, it's definitely my pettiest song like it's pretty petty and it's petty in the sense that it's like all right like are we talking about this still and I'm like yeah we're talking about this still <laughs> and um and I think yeah and I was just like kept joking about the fact that I knew this was so petty and actually in the in the song <laughs> I love a good talking moment in a in a song because I am a Taylor Swift fan and Taylor Swift loves a good talking moment in a bridge <laughs> and um there's a moment at the end of the bridge. I'm like, did that sound petty or something like that? <laughs> and so when I was working on that song, I think I just like, I don't remember like the first time it happened where I like was like, oh, I'm petty pop. But I just like started using that phrase like mm -hmm. petty pop, petty pop. Petty pop shaped the podcast. Our next conversation was with indie baroque rock artist Sequoia Waring. Now, this one is music related, but it is still one of the weirdest bits of conversation I've had in all 48 episodes. Not sure where this is going to go, but if you had to kind of indicate your music as like so, like a like meal, what do you put on that plate? That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> as much uh... as you can, you know, it's not... It would probably be a pizza with a lot of different things, like maybe I'd say because there's a lot of like Appalachian Southern influence. So maybe chopped fried chicken. Um, <laughs> ooh, this is a fun question. Um, Louisiana hot sauce, part skim mozzarella, get some veggies on there, maybe some. Uh, fresh olives pickled jalapenos and after it comes out the oven maybe some marinated red onion in case that needed context his answer to his outside passion was cooking so i had to ask what his music would be as a meal 
creeping up towards recent months is our conversation with Sarah Catherine. Now, there's one thing that Sarah and I have in common. It's that we love writing sad music, but I really liked Sarah's answer to this question. So before I even started writing songs, I've always been big on writing like stories. So when I, ever since I was young, like it's something I've been doing longer, like way longer than I've been mm-hmm. songwriting, like writing short stories. And I think that that it's something I love and I think had a big impact on my songwriting when I got to music because I always try to like tell a story through the lyrics, um, using like imagery, um, trying to like set the scene so like people kind of feel like they're there. That was always kind of what my goal was when I was writing stories too. So I think that it's definitely had a big impact on my music, but it's also just something I really enjoy to do to get creative and I don't know, just piece out things that aren't real, but it can be fun to dive into stories or fantasies. I love when artists get on here and say that they are also passionate about doing a different form of creative work especially when it's something like this that can directly feed into who they are as artists up next is rapper remy lazarus this is an answer we get a lot but the way that remy delivered this answer and the way that he approaches his own music is a unique take on a typical response what often inspires a lot of your writing that is a good question um it's like a feel it's like a feeling that I get honestly like I can be I don't if I hear something or if I think of something or if I just feel something I'll just whip out my notepad and just start typing like it I don't even have sometimes I write entire verses and entire songs without even hearing a beat like I'll just go to the studio and, and talk to my one of my producers and be like this is what I wrote let's construct the beat around this it's just like an ultimate feeling that I get like I gotta get this out right now or or it's not it's never gonna come out so I write in the airport I write I write. I can write right now, and you may not even be knowing that I could be writing on the side. I can write anywhere. True. Like it's just a, it's just a certain feeling that I get where I got to get this out right now, or it's just never going to come out. I will say this was definitely one of the inspiring interviews. Um, I left just wanting to create and do all kinds of things purely based off of just how he was responding to a lot of these questions. Definitely one worth checking out. Our next conversation was with Missouri-based artist Madison Gregory. Very much on theme, her story of how she started writing music and started, you know, really following the artist dream was just a really cool experience. I love when it's just one moment that kind of changes the route and changes the path that you ultimately want to go. And this is a perfect example of that. Um, I got the chance, my choir director um, for my senior year, there was supposed to be a senior showcase. And so I asked my mom that I would perform a song for that senior showcase. Well, long story short, the senior showcase didn't have enough people to sign up. So it got canceled. Mm. So my choir director, he like pulled me aside. He's like, hey, I know you've worked really hard. He's like, we have a school assembly coming up. Would you want to sing a song in front of the whole school? And... <laughs> I was like, 
you know, me being shy, like no one knows who I am. I'm just like, how am I supposed to do this and stuff? But like, you know, my mom, she's like, Maddie, you're a senior, like do it. Like, it's fine. You're going to be gone after this. And that moment when I sang in front of everyone, it was the most, like, I'll never forget that because it was the first time I actually was like singing something that I wrote from a very personal, very personal place. And I was playing it for publicly Mm -hmm. and everyone like it was crazy because like everyone would like cheer and I had people coming up to me being like oh my gosh that was so great like I loved that like what was your like everyone it was it was um that was probably the turning point to where I was like okay this is what I want to do just a very wholesome origin story up next we have LA-based Anthony Quaid Being an independent artist, I selfishly enjoy the moments when artists are talking about being artists and talking about what the community of being an independent artist is. And this is kind of a great, wholesome little conversation point just like that. I think every independent artist has their own journey and their own path. Um, And one thing that I think about a lot is just how each one of us, even though we're all making music and kind of all um, reaching for similar goals, um, we're all doing such different things within music and we all have different purposes and different reasons. Why that's probably why, you know, this podcast is such a fantastic project Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, every independent artist has a different, kind of goal and different vision in music. Um, Yeah, I would just say for me, I have turned my artist project into a work of musical activism. I really enjoy when artist projects are rooted in something so personal and something that's, you know, a passion where really it's less of, oh, the music is why I'm doing this, but it's you know, I'm doing music because of this thing. And this Anthony is a walking example of that. And it's just a really great thing to see. Our next interview was with Christina Alford. I don't know how we made it that far without having a conversation with a country artist or a country inspired artist. Um, But Christina makes a great point about creativity and the grind and the process that goes into all of it. My thing has always been like to just keep creating and let that be or how it happened naturally. Because sometimes I will do a painting that looks awful and it will never see the light of day. <laughs> but I'm at least doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes for like a song. I mean, I could write the worst song, but I need to get it out that day. And then those same things, I'm going to keep it in my head and it's going to help me write this next song that I might actually put out. And I always try to just keep like a state of like creation, like just at least making it a point, even if it's not something that's going to be recorded or that's going to see the light of day in a gallery show to just create it. And if it's awesome and people love it, that's fabulous. It's what we want. But if not, it's okay. Being that she's also a visual artist, I think she gets it even more than most. And I think it definitely shows. Winding down into some of our most recent conversations is our chat with Stia. 
another one of those origin stories that just kind of blows your mind. Yeah, and my journey is definitely one of the more unique ones. Um, I started writing music four years ago because I unfortunately experienced uh, my house burning down. So what, yeah. So what happened was the fire happened, we were displaced um, and I felt like I had watched every show. It's like, okay, I read every book. It's like, what else can I do? You know, like to just pass the time. I mean, you're like, what, what's, what's going on? Like we, we survived this horrible experience and I just started writing songs and they were kind of bad. And then after a few, a few tries, I wrote my first single. Reflecting back on a lot of the interviews, there's been a lot of people that have their turning point being in COVID. Like, oh, I started writing music in COVID or, you know, COVID shutting everything down gave me a lot of time to work on the music. But Stia kind of had her own COVID pre-COVID. Our next interview was new to the scene, Elizabeth Ann. Another one of those cases where the music is really just a means for the message really enjoy my latest release empty apologies because it's kind of a new sonically a new sound for mm -hmm. me because it is more like pop punk rock type vibes but i think quarter life crisis lyrically is kind of the embodiment of like who i am and who kind of what i stand for in terms of we don't always know what's happening in our lives and that's okay and sometimes we just need someone there to understand and not necessarily give us advice but just to be like yeah like that does suck or like yeah that's awesome and I feel like quarter life crisis is such a good it's such a good representation of that I think a lot of times artists have a hard time really determining what the kind of one thing they want to reflect as artists because you know writing songs you don't write about the same exact thing every single time but you know having this overarching theme in terms of you know this is the energy I want to be putting out with everything that I do as an artist Elizabeth is a great example of that and a great case of you know this is why I do this our next conversation was with rapper poet and podcast host the real Mike Wilson I get that I, I think it's really interesting when uh, I have conversations with people about hip-hop because um, the journey through hip-hop can seem very um, kind of linear and then just went off the map um, mm -hmm. But we have to remember that the first form of hip-hop was shit-talking, right? It was boisterous, bigger-than-life, shit-talking. The next form of hip-hop was slightly conscious, right? We have uh, Public Enemy and, you know, even N.W.A., uh, but going into gangster rap, right? So then that was a huge part of hip-hop. And then we had the South come up with, like, kind of party music and all this other stuff, and they got a they got a bad rap. And around that time, we had the backpackers, the Kanye's and stuff who want to talk about regular life stuff. Um, and then we, you know, we kind of see these different transitions until like things like mumble rap came in uh, and things like what we're seeing now. And I, I think um, hip hop and as a culture deserves a bit of a pass because it just went through like a natural cycle. Granted, I'm a casual consumer of hip hop and I did not know any of those eras. But it's really interesting to see it come full circle in the way that Mike talks about it. Our next artist is singer-songwriter Chase Campbell. Faith-based or not, I think Chase makes a great point in this clip about our purpose and 
what it ultimately means to be a creative and follow your passion. I got to do this for the right reasons. And so for me, the right reasons, I believe, have to do with like my faith. I'm not trying to make this a faith thing, but um, I really feel like I am. I feel like everybody was made, right? I feel like everyone was made by a divine creator. And I feel like you, just as much as I, have a have a gift to give. And, and for me, I think that mine is the ability to write and communicate um, through music. And I just want to share that. I don't not because it's a special gift that if you hear it, you know, you'll be blessed or whatever. Nothing crazy like that. But just like, I feel like I was designed for this thing. And so if I am not doing it, I feel like I'm sort of going against my whole existence. Even though it's specific to his experience, I think it's kind of a universal thing that, you know, we have a set passion to follow and a dream to pursue second to last is rapper 416 dd due to unfortunate circumstances my first interview with 416 dd was not usable um the there was a lot of internet issues and everything but so we we put together a second interview that came together in about half the time that the first one did because it was so recent to when we had done the first conversation. Um, but I, I really, I'm really glad that he brought up this point again about where his name came from. What made you choose your artist name? Well, in the beginning, I, I kind of just fell into it. I wasn't really like trying to get it because I was younger than everybody would tell me like, you got to have a name. So I came up with some names, stuff like that. But my name, to this day, 416 DD. 416 is the angel numbers. It's, that means that you'll become whatever you believe. And Didi is just my family name. I mean, to be honest, everybody knew me back at home as Didi. But um, the 416, those are my angel numbers. That's also, uh, I had a lot of childhood memories in a home that I grew up in, in Mararu. And the address was uh, 416 to that, oh. to that home. I'm always a sucker to learn where an artist's name came from or a band's name came from. And to have it be this double meaning personal tie is just, it was, it's like it was meant to be. And finally, in last week's episode, we sat down with Not Satire, AKA Luke Brannon. What made you decide to start that instead of continuing to just release things under your own name? <clears throat> Um, I think experimentation more than anything I had seen kind of like how the Spotify algorithm worked with my other project and I wanted to see if I could game it with a new project and also just I feel like more creative freedom with my name not being attached and I don't know why that is but it seems like you can kind of do more things and maybe like I mean a lot of it is like being able to play some stuff off as a joke it's like no it, it is satire like some of it is satire um but 
you know, maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) I will bring up the branding once again and say that as a person who's all about the brand, I absolutely love this answer. I don't know how he manages to juggle two different projects, but I love that each of them serve their own individual purpose and have their own place in what they are all about. That wraps it up for all of the recap of all of the 48 interviews that I've done so far in the last year plus. It's truly crazy to think that it's been a year and that I've done that many interviews and that we've only, you know, missed a couple weeks in the grand scheme of things. Um, And I cannot wait for the next 48, the next however many after that, that come in the next 50 episodes and continue thereon. Um, The first year of the podcast was great. I cannot wait to see where it goes from here. I I know it's only going to continue to grow and that more and more artists are going to be able to come on here and tell their stories, share their music, and ultimately why they make music. Next week, we will kick off our second season with episode 51. Thanks for listening.